Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio today. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and today I've got a very special guest on the show. We have comedian Liz Mealy. Did I say that right? Mealy? Perfect. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Liz started doing stand-up when she was just 16 years of age, and today she entertains inter- international audiences, so we're really lucky to have her with us today. And the reason we've got her here today is not just because she's funny, but because she's released a really funny book. And it's her first book, and it's entitled Why Cats Are Assholes. So welcome to the show, Liz. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I find what I find the funniest is that there's no cat people that have been offended by my book title. Like every cat, like every cat lover is like, yeah, that's right. And I can't wait to read it. Like, I just feel like if I wrote all dogs are assholes or just said something mean about any other group, people would be like, what are you talking about? And you say it about cats and they're like, I'm sure this is coming from a place of love. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's what we all know. You know, it's, you know, they're the yeah. only species yeah. that we allow to live with us and, and just accept the fact that they're going to do whatever the hell they want to do whenever they want to do it. You yeah. know, <laughs> and, and, you yeah. know, something funny you don't, you don't know about me is that I actually, Jackson Galaxy, my cat from hell, he has a, a nonprofit division and I'm one of their trainer mentors and we actually train shelter staff how to click or train cats in their care. And um, I had my classes wow. today that I taught and, and they were like, we had a really challenging week. And it was like, cats just didn't want to work this week. And, you know, like they were looking to me to, <laughs> you know, to kind of come up with some magic thing of, well, what can we do? And I'm like, well, we're going to go on to this week, you know, because <laughs> sometimes cats are just assholes, as you say. <laughs> <laughs> and it and this is a delightful book your your book shares good cat care and cat behavior wisdom all wrapped in really great humorous anecdotes and and stories and and for a first book i gotta tell you i'm impressed it's really well done chelsea's illustrations are are like wonderful especially those page page numbers i mean describe the page numbers oh so good it's it's a cat butt so where the little butthole would be would be the page number it was um when my editor showed it to me I was like I'm so happy right now like I feel like I found my people also my editor's name is Jason Katzman and (laughs) I just feel like everything came together (laughs) yeah that's definitely stars aligning (laughs) yeah it's a it's a really great book It, it really is and so when did you first know that you were a cat person Um, I, so both my parents are veterinarians. So, um, I grew up in New Jersey. They're both small animal vets and, uh, we lived next to their first practice when I was, I don't know, like three, four, something like that. 
And then eventually my mom started a, like bought a small house and started a small practice. And we moved next to that one. And it was an all cat clinic. And my mom became a cat specialist and just stopped seeing for the most part, any, any animal other than a cat. Um, and because I've always lived next door to either their first hospital and eventually um, most of my adolescence was next to Carnegie cat clinic. Um, they were like, I didn't really have a babysitter as much as like I would get home from school. I would walk next door and I would do my homework on the floor surrounded by clients. You know, my mom's either coming in out of appointments or I'm behind the, um, the receptionist desk. So I, I just kind of grew up besides having like our own animals. We had cats, dogs, lizards, you know, ferrets, mice, gerbils, like whatever you can think of, we had it. So I think in general, I've always loved animals. It's always been a part of my life, but I guess I'm just like my mom. I just, I like cats. I like, I think we're like kind of a moody family. Um, and they just kind of fit our disposition. And I, I, what's funny doing the research for this book, like I I talk about, you know, ancient Egypt and, and their worshiping of cats in Japan and their love for cats and where this all came from. But I remember being like seven and getting these like, like checking out books about cats in Egypt and being really obsessed with Egypt to the point where when I did a military tour uh, for comedy, I think like five years ago, Egypt was on the list. And I was like, so excited, like childhood excited to go to Egypt to meet like the original cats. (laughs) (laughs) No, were your parents disappointed that you didn't, you know, want to pursue veterinarian like they did? Yeah. Yeah. They were really disappointed, especially because they built two animal hospitals. They had five kids and I was the cat obsessed one. I was the one that said I was going to become a vet. I was the one that was like, just super, like my whole wall was like pictures of cats. I had like cut out of magazines and, and calendars that I got for like birthdays and stuff. I was, but like, I think as I got older, I was like, oh, this seems like work. Like I'm dyslexic. So I mean, now I've written a book, but like reading and writing was really challenging. School was really challenging. And I think as I got older, I was like, this seems like a lot of schoolwork. Um, And this doesn't seem, and I've never been good with like gory stuff. So I was like, I was like, I probably should have became a cat behavior, behavioralist if I, if I now think about it. But like, I, I just didn't want to do the gory stuff. I didn't like school. And um, I discovered comedy when I was like stand-up comedy when I was like 13 and became obsessed. And I just, my love for cats never went away, but like, I remember breaking the news that I wasn't going to become a vet when I was a teenager, the way somebody would like come out of the closet. And I was just like, Hey, just so you know, um, this is the path I'm taking. And my, my mom was relatively supportive. Both of them were supportive enough, but my dad, I think because he built these practices from the ground up, I think he really wanted that legacy to live on. And I think He's fine now, but I think he definitely wanted me to become a veterinarian. And none of your siblings wanted to step up and fill those shoes? No, we're all dyslexic. My dad's dyslexic too. So he didn't find out until all of us turned out to be dyslexic when we were in elementary school. So he just knew school was hard and he worked harder and and what have you. But um, yeah, we we're just, I I think we're relatively smart people. um, But my sister became... We're, we're really artsy. I think my parents told us to believe in ourselves a little too much because we all became artists and like kind of free thinkers. My baby brother is now in law school. So I think he's going to, he's always been the favorite. So I think he's 
the closest to what my parents wanted us to be. <laughs> I was an only child. So, you know, I, I, I had, uh, I didn't have any brothers or sisters to, to pick up the slack there, but also my parents, I was going to say, have, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, they didn't have very many expectations. So I, I was probably just as well. <laughs> and now, you describe yourself as a cat person and not a crazy cat lady, because like me, you only have one cat. I only have one cat. And don't you get tired of everybody telling you how much your cat pasta needs a buddy? Yeah, it's 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 interesting to me because um, I, I live in Brooklyn. I live in a pretty small apartment. I also travel a lot and I already have a lot of guilt for the lifestyle I've created for her um, in general that like, why would I, like, I had a boyfriend um, years ago, and when we lived together, our cats came together, and they mostly seemed mad at each other. Like, I, it's funny, when they started to get along, I broke up, with, we broke up. So I, I don't know, maybe we, they would just need to always be the opposite of their humans. But I, I don't, I, I do believe that if I had more space, I probably would have more cats. But I just don't think it's, it's bare it's barely fair for me to live in how small of an apartment I live in. I can't imagine having more animals to also be in this small space. Yeah. But I think when you're an animal lover, people tend to put the pressure for you to rescue the world on your shoulders. They're like, Liz will take it. Molly will take it. And you're like, yeah, I have a budget. Like (laughs) I have, I have limited resources. If maybe I had a ranch, I like, it would be a different story. But I, I already feel bad for how much I leave my cat alone now. And in your book, I, there's it, talking about space and how many cats. I love that part in your book where you talk about your how many cats meter. And you say cats yeah, need yeah, yeah. space to get away from you. <laughs> that is yeah, so true. They need their alone time. <laughs> they do. I feel like cats are such strong introverts. And the same way that we've learned from our friends, who's an extrovert, who's an introvert, I feel like understanding that your cats need their hiding suite. Like my cat loves to hide in closets. She, every morning she gets up, she kind of walks around is kind of annoying. And then I start my day and she goes back to bed and she always crawls under my sheets and she sleeps under my sheets. And I don't have a couch in this apartment, but when I had a couch, she would always kind of burrow under like a blanket or like a pillow. And my brother's been staying with me and I make the bed so that my cat can burrow. Like that's like, (laughs) I don't do it for my own cleanliness. I do it for her. And so my brother was sitting on my bed and I was like, Hey, you got to make the bed. He goes, why? And I go, because she needs to take a nap. And he's like, looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, you do crazy things for the things you love. Just make my bed so that she knows how to burrow (laughs) because she gets very frustrated. And then what she does is she sleeps less and she just kind of stares at you. And she's angry because she's like, we have very unwritten rules that you're not following right now. That's right. That's right. Well, that's like that whole, that saying, you know, dogs have owners and cats have staff. There's so much truth to that. <laughs> yes. Yes. But we're on a, on an agreement. I, I I'm on podcasts. I have my own podcast. And if I don't follow these rules, she starts crying during the podcast. And I, you know, I, we live, we live like roommates and we have good days and we have bad days. They are so good at manipulating us. I mean, it is just <laughs> crazy how how they learn so quickly to get us to do what they want us to do. 
You know, like yeah. pay attention to me. A hundred percent of your attention is not directed towards me because you're in yeah. there interviewing somebody. So I'm going to bang on the door or, you know, bang the cabinets <laughs> until you get so annoyed that you get up and talk to me. I mean, it's, they're crazy that way. Yeah. It's so what inspired you to write this book? So I feel really fortunate, um, especially as like a first time writer, because like how to get books is a, is a, a long process. But and I, I went to school for for writing. So it was always something I, I wanted to do. But I've written I've kind of been known as the comic that writes too many cat jokes like there. I have a couple of cat jokes on every album and I'm always taking pictures of my cats. Like I've always kind of had in my comedy community a little bit of a cat lady vibe uh, that I did not fight at all. And um, one of the jokes I have on YouTube is um, basically like everyone's one bad breakup away from owning a cat. And it's kind of how I feel and what I kind of notice, especially in my community of I'm, you know, in a very male dominated field. And I started noticing all these male comics were like getting dumped and then they would get a cat and they were becoming cat guys. And it kind of feels that way that like, people, happy people get dogs and people that are going through something end up with cats. And I, I know I suffer from depression. I, that's, I definitely was sad and got a cat and it, it was silly, but I also feel like there's some truth to it. And, um, it did very well on YouTube and this editor, Jason, who I brought up, uh, he has two cats with his wife. He was looking for somebody to write this, this kind of book about cats and about their issues, but in a loving way, as opposed to, you know, people are always kind of shitting on cats and it's, it, redundant at this point um and that that joke really kind of encapsulates it as well as I have a bunch of jokes about my parents being veterinarians and what it's like to be the daughter of veterinarians and um he was like this is my idea what do you think and I presented it how I was going to write it and uh we just kind of seamlessly got along and and I was able to kind of put out my vision but I I just wanted I'm just kind of I'm a grown woman that's very obsessed with cats in a way that I just think they're fascinating. I just think I, you know, when you learn something about them, like why, how they're, you know, how many bones they have and how many bones are in their ears and and why they respond to something this way and why they don't respond that way. Like, I guess even my podcast that I have with my friend is called two non-doctors. Like we're just curious. Like that's the whole point of our podcast is like, we're not know-it-alls as much as we're Googlers and we're constantly being like, Oh, I don't understand that. Let's look it up. And so it was, to me, this was like the perfect combination of my curiosity, my love for cats and the fact that I make too many cat jokes. <laughs> and it is, that's a very good way to, to describe the book. It is very much. So did it, how long did it take you to write it? Um, it's so funny because I've kind of learned in the pandemic that I might have ADD. So I've always known I'm dyslexic. Um, but from doing my podcast and from um, honestly getting to know myself in a way, I probably never got to know myself because I'm always traveling and I'm always, you know, comedy is like nonstop and you're never home. Um, I, I started out like I had so much time to write this book that I was like, if I write 200 words a day, I will get this done so quickly. And then of course I was like, okay, if I write 500 words a day, I'll get this done in three months. If I write 4,000 words right now. <laughs> it just kept, So I did it. it I, I, I wrote the first, I would say like 10,000 words in like maybe a month and I did it pretty quickly. And then I just procrastinated and I, I like had to like truly bully myself. And then I had to get like, I had to like 
keep getting myself in the groove. And so I would say it took a total of like three months to just get the first draft out. And that's how it's worked with like scripts I've written and anything else that I've done where it's like, you got to just get it out on paper and then you can revamp it from there. So my, excuse me, my outline was really helpful and I always knew what I wanted to talk about. And I have had my own perspective and my own voice with comedy for so long that those two things didn't really need to be hashed out. But sitting down and writing is a form of torture. It's so funny if you talk to anybody that's a writer. And I, I write jokes every day, but these we're talking about half a page, maybe two pages of work. And, and I've never written anything this long. But it, was, it always feels nice to like listen to writers like Stephen King or David Sedaris or you know uh, whoever. And they all talk about writing as a form of torture. And I was like, at least you don't feel alone in that. It's like, yes, I love it but I have to be in the groove the same way that I'm a runner and I love running, but there's some days where you're like, I don't want to be here. And I hate that I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. It, it's I, I've got to write matter of fact, now for a, a seminar I'm doing um, about shaping kittens into great cats. And even though, you know, all the material and, you know, I've done things that are similar and stuff like that. I got to sit down and write it and, you know, put it all together and make the PowerPoint and, Oh, it's just horrible. I procrastinate till like the day before and then do it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know what that is. Cause I do enjoy it. I love it. And I feel really good. And I get really excited when I write something I'm really passionate about. And you would think that would, that feeling would carry you to the next chapter or the next thing you write. And it does not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, a lot of your material in this book, of course, revolves around the relationship you have with your cat pasta. And she's an asshole, I presume, too, right? You know, she's like a reformed asshole, if I can be honest. Uh, she still, you know, has flare-ups, but she, she was just not great for like three and a half years. And, um, you know, I like cuddly cats. I like, I like, I don't care that cats do their own thing or whatever, but I, I, I like cuddles. Like, I, I don't know. I was just a lonely child and I, I wanted animals to be my friends and, um, I, we had cuddly cats growing up and she just was not that cat. And I kind of hug abused her and just would, I would just make her love me for like three minutes a day. <laughs> and I'm going to make you love me. <laughs> I don't, yeah, a little bit like El, Elmira, um, it's from Animaniacs. Um, but I would say she just needed to kind of get a little older but like I had another friend that had a female cat that was like, hey, they just need some time, like almost like how people talk about teenagers, like they just need their independence and they'll come around. And that's what it was like. She kind of was like not the friendliest, but she was cute. And I, you know, I accepted her as she was. And then eventually, like around three and a half, she just kind of became very cuddly. And now my mom got a quarantine cat um, named Alita that has thumbs. I forget what those cats are called when they oh, have thumbs. Polydactyl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so funny. It looks like it's wearing like, like um, Mickey mouse gloves. They're, mm-hmm. Her hands are so big. Um, she's beautiful and she's cute. She had some like eye issue that my mom was like taking care of. And that's why she adopted her. And um, she's not nice. She's really not nice to the point where like when my cat stays with my mom and I'm on the road, she was like, I have to keep them separated because she's just evil and mean. 
And I was just like, okay. And she's like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, well, give it some time. You know this, like, <laughs> right. You know this, right. Like I'm like now coaching my mom who's been a vet for almost 40 years. Like, you know, it gets better. Right. She's like, but I want to cuddle pasta cuddles. And I was like, mom, she's 16. Like she didn't cuddle immediately. Like I was like, give it a second. But like pasta is really cuddly. Like you sit down like I'm, I'm not exaggerating. As soon as I sit down, she's on my lap. And like, if I leave the bathroom door open, she's there. Like it's, she's, I don't know when it got that aggressive in the cuddle department, but like, as soon as I sit down, she's in my lap. And she's a black cat, right? Yeah. All black. Pasta's all black. And, and I noticed that in your book, you talk a lot about cats and witches in your book. Is that what, what was the inspiration yeah. for, for the, the witchy stuff? <laughs> well, I think, yeah, yeah. Well, I, a couple of things. I think, first of all, I think we, we both know that um, sadly, a lot of black cats don't get adopted because of all the superstitions. And it's just, to me, it's like, we're all adults. What are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's these weird ancient superstitions that have, no, that have no validity. It's an animal and we're going to let them, you know, not get adopted or go to kill shelters, or you have people that do horrible things to them because of, of make-believe. And it just, it just made me angry. And I, I, you know, I, I love all cats and I, I just, to me, I, I wanted to, cont- hi, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, she's like, you, you said my name. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to, to bring up how silly that is. And the same thing with, with, you know, I'm a female comedian. I've been doing comedy since I was 16 years old. I talk about, you know, when I'm dating, I talk about dating. When I'm going through a breakup, I talk about going through a breakup. I've talked about being single. I've talked about every single thing, but you know, people always kind of love to make fun of strong willed, strong opinionated single women, or even when I'm in a, in a relationship and they kind of ostracize you and bully you. And this is why you're going to end up alone. Or this is why you're going to end up a cat lady. And I'm like, why is this a bad thing? And so I wanted to kind of go into the research of why we've put women and cats together and why we've uh, villainized uh, independent women, single women, um, why they've been labeled witches and where that all came from, because it's, you know, it's 2021. And we're like, I still get comments on YouTube. That's like, you're going to die alone with your cats. And I'm like, it sounds pretty great. (laughs) Right. I don't And the problem is, you know what I mean? Or like, they're going to, you know, you're going to die alone. Your cats are going to eat your face. I'm dead. I don't care. Like, I just, that sounds like a really eco-friendly way to go. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I I find it so silly the way they uh, personify single women, the way they personify being a cat lover. And I think with the internet and more men, you know, especially like I love TikTok. So like TikTok, you have men like talking, being, you know, cat dads and all that stuff. Like, yeah, it's, it's just an animal. Like you're being silly when you make up stereotypes about people because you love something that is, let's be honest, adorable. Like you have to be a monster to even, you can say you don't like cats, but you can't say they're not adorable. They are all adorable. (laughs) 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 Except those, that new breed. Have you seen the, the Lokis, the ones that look like little werewolf? Um, Oh, so I, I, I think I've seen the, the Loki cat. I, I, to me, I just don't want them to get so excessive at the belt, the breedings of cats. One, because I, I like that they're half the time cats are free or, or just not um, expensive the way kind of dog breeds have gotten into. But I just don't want them to go into that route where they start 
breeding them in a way that makes them unhealthy when you think of like pugs and stuff. Um, I just kind of love that, you know, my mom always makes me laugh because I'll be like, oh, what kind of cat is that? And she'll be like, that's a domestic short hair. And I'd be like, it has long hair. She's like, oh, that's a domestic long hair. Like my mom just never <laughs> cared. <laughs> like she was like, I don't know. It's a cat. It doesn't matter. Because like I, I really probably only seen a couple of breeds in real life. One, because, you know, people don't walk their cats. Um, but I haven't seen like a friend of mine. She um, she's a personal trainer and she had like a, a wealthy client move and give her cat to her and it's like this five thousand dollar cat and it's like gorgeous and i was like oh like it looks looks like a little lion like it's just so beautiful and i i don't even i couldn't even tell you what breed it is she told me but i was just like wow i'm so on the other side of that i just haven't seen that many purebred cats before and you know and there aren't many there's only like 45 registered cat breeds have you ever been to a cat show a cat show? Uh huh. Um, no, I, oh, you, I mean, yeah. You need I, to I, go I, to a cat show. <laughs> you, <laughs> you talk about some great material for you. <laughs> you need to go to a cat show. So Google the Cat Fanciers Association, and they should have a schedule Ooh. of where cat shows are. And of course, with COVID, who knows, you know, what they're doing or where they're doing yeah. it. But um, yeah, you got to go to a cat show. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. Yeah, all these I breeders because I've they, only, you know, they decorate the cages. Oh, it's it, you gotta you gotta go check it out. It's too funny. <laughs> oh, I, I can I can only imagine. Uh, I always loved uh, one of my favorite movies is Best in Show. Yes, yes, and it's I if if there if people are that crazy and uppity about dogs and purebred dogs, I can only imagine people that get into purebred cats and show cats and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you re- you really do have to find a cat show and go attend a cat show. <laughs> so, yeah, I yeah. mean, you can, you, you, you convinced me. <laughs> yeah, and I love uh, your chapter names are funny. Your chapter five is called "Does My Cat Hate Me?" or is it just trying to ruin my life for fun? <laughs> <laughs> Which pretty much sums up, um, you know, what goes through a lot of our minds. Our cat owners' minds, I think, have thought that one time or another. <laughs> And your chapter well, I six, the amount of times, mm-hmm. go oh, ahead. Yeah. I was just the amount of times my cat has looked me in the eye and then knocked off something fragile that I loved. And you're just like, did I, did I offend you? Like, you're just, you're almost like, did I say something to make you want to ruin everything I cherish? <laughs> um, it, it just, they, they, it's their eyes and the, the belief that they know what they're doing that, that gets me. Oh, they do that, that attention seeking behavior. I mean, it is worse than a two-year-old, but, and it's very much like a two-year-old, you know, if you own a cat, it's like having a toddler around all the time until they get late in life where they're, they're kind of sleeping and and become more of a lump probably because they don't feel well, sadly, but um, yeah, it's like having a three-year-old and, and I, my cat passed away about a little over a year ago and I got a, a, a new cat. I, wasn't going to get a kitten. I said, you know, I'm too old to have a kitten. I, I'm going to need an older <laughs> cat. And, you know, I don't have the patience for that. And, and what did I end up with? A kitten, of course. And he's <laughs> right out a year now. And oh my gosh, I, yeah, it's crazy. It, it's absolutely crazy how he trains me. He's really good. Yeah. At it. <laughs> 
And now your chapter six is one I use often. And chapter six is titled Resting Cat Face. And what a great way to sum up, you know, the cat's poker face and challenges of reading body language, because that's so true. And I think that's where they kind of get their bad rap from, because dogs just kind of intrinsically look like they're smiling and cats always just look kind of mad at you. Like cats always look like you forgot to pay them. And they're waiting for you to cash, like send a cash out cash app. (laughs) Like I, I think they get, you know, if everybody's reading a book by their cover, you know, cats seem to be distant and they don't seem to be friendly and dogs seem to be uber friendly and they're always around. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that you learn so much from them just in how they present to you, what their tail looks like, how they're pushing up against you, cuddling, you know, the sounds that they make, like there's so many things. And it's just like, I think you just have to be, um, uh, I think that's kind of like women are always looking for signs. You know what I mean? We're always reading the room. We always have to make sure we're safe in certain environments. We're always, we we're kind of always on high alert. And I think in, 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 in a sense, it, we intrinsically see cats and their behavior and we can go, Oh, they look upset. Oh, they want to be left alone. Oh, let them go eat. Like I, I, the same way that like a mother kind of learns how a, a, a baby, what cry, what each cry means to a baby. I think each movement I'm like, Oh, she's just, you know, annoyed. She can't get under the covers or, Oh, I forgot to feed her. I got to go do that. Like I, I more and more, I'm less angry at her and more like, Oh, I didn't do my part. There, there's things I need to do. And she, and I, I let her down. Well, it's, it's a cat human relationship. It's 90, 10, you know, it's 90% human and 10% (laughs) cat. And when I went back to school (laughs) to get certified for, for behavior, you know, I thought I was going to be working with cats. And I remember the point in, in school where, you know, the focus changed to dealing with the people. And I thought, oh crap, I've got to deal with people. (laughs) (laughs) And it really is all about the people because the cats are just cats and, uh, and it's, it's all about us and, and how we uh, understand that they're just going to be cats, which kind of brings me to the summary of your book of why is my cat an asshole? And, and you say, because they're not being treated like the God or goddesses that they know they are. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. I, it's so funny because I've thought about it. I've thought about it more and more, which is like, I'm, I very much, I grew up on like self-help books. I've always been about like fixing myself. I'm in therapy. Like it's all about fix, 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 fix. But when you do that to yourself, you often look towards other people and you're like, well, they need to be fixed too. And I, and that can be a problem and it has been a problem, but I've never tried to like really fix my cat. I've always been like, this is who she is. And, you know, we'll make it work because I love her. And, you know, I was just always so accepting. I'm not saying I don't complain. I'm not saying she hasn't peed on things I've loved, but like you figure it out. And, you know, the longest I've gone is a day without talking to her because she's ruined something I really cared about. But I've never, there's no resentment. And I can't say I've been that person as a friend or as a, in romantic relationships. And it's taken me a long time to be like, if I treated more people like a cat and just accepted them as they are, you know, do your best, get better, heal, don't, you know, put your crap on other people, I would be so much happier and so would the people around me. And it took me a long time to learn just that in therapy. And I've realized I've kind of already knew it just in this relationship I had with my cat. So I think in some ways, if you think of it that way, this is who they are. They're not going to change. 
if they're having crazy behaviors, it might be a sign that something is off. And, and that might, you know, I, I, I constantly say in the book, like nobody's peeing on your stuff because they hate you. Something else is going on. It could be physical, it could be sickness, or it could be some other distress. And that could be said for most people in their bad behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody's screaming at you. Why are they screaming at you? They're in distress. Is that the right way of handling it? Absolutely not. But the core of it is they are in distress. Yep. That's a good, that's a good life lesson. See, life lessons you've learned from your cat too. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's an entertaining book. I, I encourage everybody to, to go find it. It's, it's out uh, today or as of yesterday, right? Y- yeah. Awesome. Congratulations. And and go find it, buy Thank it you. for a laugh, insightful cat information, and, and mostly just affirmation that thinking your cat is an asshole is okay. You know, right? Yes. <laughs> it's like that old book, I'm, I'm an asshole, you're an asshole or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's good to have affirmation that, that it's okay that you think your cat is an asshole. And do you think there's a... Yeah. A dog versus cat book in your future? Uh, probably, probably not. I actually, it's funny. I, I know a fair amount because both my parents are veterinarians, but I, I, I don't think the passion is there. Um, yeah, this was just, I'm very grateful to have had this opportunity. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I'm going to pigeon my, pigeonhole myself, which uh, I guess pun intended into animal humor. <laughs> yeah, I, I would imagine there's not, <laughs> There's probably not a lot of following for that in the first place, is there? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I always love writing jokes, especially about stuff, something silly like a cat. It's lighthearted. God knows life is hard right now that, you know, it's relatable without talking about politics or anything else that might be a, a, a buzzword for people. But I do think at some point you're like, well, we've all we all know the difference between cats and dogs. We all know. They're not yeah. the same. It's like, you know, jokes about the difference between men and women. It's like, we get it. We're different. We try to live together. It's always difficult. The, I, you know, Jackson Galaxy always talks about seeing your cat through dog colored glasses and how that, you know, how that affects why they aren't understood. And that's, I've always loved that phrase too, because it's so true. People expect cats to yeah. react like dogs do, especially in training. You know, they expect that. And it's so different. Dogs, dogs will do a behavior because it pleases you. And a cat is not going to do shit because it pleases you. You know, <laughs> if cat's yeah. only going to do something because it wants to, or it's food motivated or something along those lines, but it could really care less how happy you are with the fact that it just sat up like a meerkat, you know? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's all about, it's all about people's perception, I think in, in that case, but you can find Liz on our website. It's Liz L I Z M E is M E I L E. No, it's uh, M-I-E-L-E. M-I-E-L-E. So L-I-Z-M-I-E-L-E dot com. And I'll put the link to her website too in this podcast promotion. So go check out her website, buy the book. You can find it there. You can find it on Amazon. 
And um, regardless, if you know everything there is to know about cats or think you do, you will be entertained by this book. I promise you. It's definitely one you should have in your library. And it makes a great gift book, too. You know, I expect now that you've come out with this book that I will probably receive five copies of it in the next (laughs) year. (laughs) That will happen. Uh, Please resell it for for as much as you can. Um, Yeah. I, I'm the same. I'm the same way. I get so many cat books and I always, I feel terrible and I have to be like, oh, I already have that. And they're like, I knew it. I knew I should have asked. It was like, oh. <laughs> exactly. But I, I told people when I, when I first started writing this, they're just like, oh, who is this for? And I was like, I think it's for me. I think this is a book. I'm almost positive. Somebody's going to gift me my own book. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, thank you for being with us today on Cat Talk Radio. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. I think you're in Portland, Oregon this week, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, on uh, Friday. That's great. Well, check out her website. And, and if she's if she's performing near you, go see her too, because she's funny. And I think you'll enjoy it. And um, until next time, folks, keep calm and purr on. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat, toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.